I'm Sammy Lucas, and I'm romantically challenged. It's a question I think a lot of us have asked ourselves. How do you stay hopeful on the dating scene when you've had so many disappointments? My guest in this episode, Jane, has been married and divorced three times. Two of those husbands had affairs, and yet she remains hopeful that she will find love again. This is such a fascinating chat about divorce and dating. Jane opens up about feeling like a failure after three divorces and the emotional struggles and loneliness she felt being single through COVID. Oh, and I ask the all-important question, can marriage ever survive infidelity? Here's Jane. Hi, I'm Jane, a 56-year-old mother of two grown boys and a fur child and mother-in-law to the most beautiful woman. I've been married for 25 years, albeit over three marriages. After years of working full-time, last year I decided to shake it all up and take a -a two-day-a-week job as an office manager and also carry on with my part-time life coaching. I love golf and enjoy fitness, new adventures, and being around people who bring happiness into my life. Dating in my 50s is something I never thought I'd have to experience. My ideal partner would be caring, honest, and wanting to be the other half of a partnership. I have two life mantras. Life is not a dress rehearsal, and people come into your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. Jane, thank you so much for joining me. I'd really like to start with your theory that dating is kind of like real estate. Now, is that because you find something and you put all this love and hope into it, and then you watch it slowly fall apart? I love the way you put it. Um, I worked in real estate and I just sort of thought about, you know, so often somebody will come to you and they'll say, look, this is the criteria I have. And they look and look and look and never quite find. And then suddenly you show them something completely left of center, which doesn't have the amount of bedrooms is in a different location to where they were looking. And yet they walk in and get that gut feel and know that that's their home. That's where they want to be. And for me, I certainly reckon that you have your little in your head, tick boxes of he's got to be this, he should be this height, um, have these sorts of values. And yet you can meet that person and they tick all those boxes, but that little spark isn't there. And then when somebody that is completely different walks in, he doesn't tick all those boxes, but that's the man. I'm a great believer it comes from the from the gut and from inside. Same thing as when I was showing people houses and they walk in and go, this is the one. <laughs> uh, I just have to find that with the man. Hello. <laughs> Look, we'll get to your current dating situation a little later, but first let's talk about your relationship history. You've told me before you've traveled divorce, death, financial stress. You've had three marriages, three divorces. I think like so many singles at our age, you've kind of been to hell and back. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember at one point that I read an article on the top sort of stresses that you can travel through in life. And at that point in time, I think I was doing the top four. Divorce, death. Divorce, death, financial stress, and moving house. Oh, yeah. So house had to be moved because of the top three. (laughs) Yeah. Let's start with hubby number one. So you were born in the UK. You moved to Australia when you were 25 and met hubby here. Yes, an Aussie, a beautiful farmer. Uh, We had two amazing, fabulous children together. Um, This sounds really weird and trying to describe it is hard for some people to understand, but in a lot of ways he was too nice. I think my learning through time is that I actually need somebody that stands up to me a little bit more. Um, He was the most beautiful man ever. 
but I needed, I actually needed somebody to push back every now and then on me. And bless him, he was just the nicest man you will ever meet and didn't say no enough, maybe. And you left him after five years of marriage? Correct, yes, with two beautiful children. And I and I don't know where it went wrong because I didn't know I was unhappy until somebody else came into my life. So you left him for another man? Correct, for husband number two. I, I didn't know. I'd never, I'd always been somebody that's going to get married once. I'd always been somebody that would be faithful. And I don't know where it came from. I didn't know I could ever have feelings for somebody else. And suddenly I did. So you you met husband number two while you were with your first husband and you had obviously developed feelings for him. Did you act on those or did you break up with husband one first? Um, acted on them emotionally, but in no other way. Right. So I, but, and I tried really hard not to, but it was, the, the feeling was there and it was very difficult to let go of. People discuss emotional cheating versus physical cheating. Sometimes when there's an emotional connection that can feel like more of a betrayal in a lot of ways. I'd fully agree with that. And that's why I always say to people, don't ever say you're never going to have an affair. Like we all go into life not expecting or wanting that, but things happen. So don't judge people because of previous actions or actions that happen. And what happened with husband number two? Tell me about that marriage. Um, wasn't in control of my feelings when I met him and just, you know, was like, oh, my God, this this is the most amazing man ever. We did have a fabulous 10 years of marriage. Uh, certainly the last two were quite hard. We, you know, we had built a, a very nice lifestyle, I guess is the way, best way to put it. He really, for the last two years, spent a lot of time away from us as a family. And then uh, I discovered he was having an affair. And during that time, is that when you found out that something tragic had happened to your first husband? As I was going through, yeah, the pretty awful divorce, the news was given to us that my first husband had been killed in a car accident, which was just tragic. Unfortunately, he fell asleep at the wheel and was killed instantly. My son at the time was 18. He was studying for his HSC and so other child was over in Argentina on school exchange and I had to make what I believe is the worst phone call a mother could ever make to their son who they can't hold and they can't be there to tell them that the father that they are very close to has been killed. And, and Oh, Jane, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for you. I'm sorry for your beautiful boys. It still gives me a bit of a lump in my throat, but... Um, we did. We, we parented the boys completely together. We were great mates. He is, he is a very much a loss to all of us. So how did that loss impact the situation that you were in at the time? Yeah, had been separated from husband number two for two years. He, uh, it was an interesting time. I, I got to the point where there were no more tears because so I had cried so much that when my first husband was killed, it was almost like a, a numbness because I had been through so much shock that I, re I actually remember one day looking up into the sky and saying what more can you actually give me I don't have anything left because you've given me everything you could possibly throw at me meaning mm. God <laughs> and I was trying very hard to stay strong for the boys because I was putting them through or they were being put through enough of a tumultuous time without that horrific shock 
I'm just curious when you looked up and said, you know, come on, what else have you got for me? Did you get an answer? <laughs> You're not going to believe this one because we were actually selling the property that we lived on and it was on acreage. And I had gone and got a cup of tea. I'd taken the papers out and I went, no, I'm actually just going to sit for five minutes and pretend that none of this is happening. And I looked up and down in a back paddock, there were gum trees alight in the neighbor's paddock with huge amounts of fire. I had just sealed a contract on my property. And again, I was just like, I don't believe it. Had eight fire engines all day fighting the fire that sort of started. Luckily, none of it came on my property. But I just, yes, he did give me more. (laughs) Is that saying that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger? So very true. And the irony is that song came out and was a hit exactly at the time I was going through it and became a little bit of a anthem. I know all the words. <laughs> you mentioned that when you met your second husband, you said you weren't in control of your emotions. What did you mean by that? Uh, the last thing I was doing was looking for anybody else whilst I was a married woman. And it surprised me that I could have a situation where I was thinking of somebody else and sort of wanting to be around somebody else. And so that really shocked me. It went against all my values and beliefs, to be perfectly honest, and something that I really had to try and work through in my head. And sometimes trying to overrule your heart can be really difficult. And I struggled with a lot of guilt over it. And I struggled with what I was doing. But it was a weird feeling because, yeah, I, I sort of did but didn't have control on it. My heart had the control that my head wasn't able to keep up with. Yeah, I, I, look, I'm not here to condone anybody leaving anybody or having affairs. Um, but sometimes things happen that we don't that we don't pre-plan and we don't have control over. Yeah. How did you then get to husband number three? Yeah, it was a very quick relationship. Both my boys really liked him, and I thought that I'd finally got it right. That this was the rest of my life. Yeah, I just I really believed I had it right this time, and I was third time lucky. Unfortunately, I discovered that he was having an affair with somebody that we both knew very closely. How did he react when you confronted him? Uh, What I expected was, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Wow, what was I thinking? How do we sort this out? What have I done? And I never got any remorse. To this day, there still hasn't been that. And yet he still wanted to stay married and still believed that our marriage was good. Right. So... For him, his argument was that that was just purely sex and the sex act and that it could actually be completely removed from our marriage. Our marriage was absolutely fine. I was the one for him and it wasn't going to interfere with the marriage at all. It was the physical act of release and that's something I personally can't get my head around. Yeah. Marriage is about then being with one person. It's not about going outside the marriage. And for me, the whole act of, I don't even want to call it sex, it's its making love to me because it's the very final connection you can give to that person and that uniqueness and last bond within a marriage that keeps you, I don't know, I'm not going to say keeps you together. It is that final thing that nobody else comes anywhere near. There are people that just believe, well, okay, there is the physical act of sex, but then there's making love and they're two very different things. Yeah. And then that opens up another whole discussion on discussing an open marriage, you know, and there are people out there that are very happily having an open marriage. That wasn't something that was ever discussed between us. And therefore, for me, I yeah, he lost my trust, because 
I had gone on and on and on, having had a cheating husband before, about how it was the unity of marriage. And he knew how much how much value I put into making love with him and that being the final bond. I met a couple at a dinner party recently who have an open marriage. They've been together 25 years. They've had an open marriage since day one, open relationship, now marriage. And they're very happy and they're very secure uncomfortable in their relationship and their bond that's an interesting conversation to have on the podcast too if you're in an open marriage now contact me let's do it (laughs) or an open relationship well when I say let's do it I don't mean (laughs) (laughs) there's another whole podcast (laughs) I mean let's have a conversation about how that works for you (laughs) well I know that you are no longer with husband number three was this the sort of final straw for you Yeah, when you say final straw, there hadn't been any other straws. I thought that I was very, very happily married and I thought we were going the distance and I had no reason to think anything otherwise. Yeah, my heart was broken. Was there a point where you sort of said to yourself, I'm going to make this work? My husband says that he loves me. In a form, yes. But again, did I believe it? I don't know. I was just so in love with this guy that I wanted any which way to be able to try and work it out. And because I have always believed that you stand by, that that marriage is a partnership. You stand by each other. You've got each other's backs. That's what you do as a partner. Yes, you can live in a marriage where you both are slightly independent in your beliefs. And again, I'm the first one to believe that you mustn't change who you are. You need to be who you are. But at the same time, you should have your partner's back. I also, you know, as I think other people would say, you know, I'd had two marriages under my belt already. I didn't really want a, a, a failed third marriage. I was, you still love that person even to this day. You, you don't stop loving somebody even though you know that their personality isn't what you thought it was. You still love him? Um, I, yes, but I would never get back with him because of the personality tra- type that he is and that didn't match with my values and beliefs. So do you think marriage can ever survive infidelity? I mean, you've kind of experienced it from both sides, you know, as someone who had the affair and as someone who you say you have two husbands that had affairs behind your back. Can marriage ever survive any kind of infidelity? In my opinion, absolutely. I think there's a lot around what was the circumstance what was the action of the um, infidelity? Like I, I hear so often that sometimes marriages have got to a point where they're a little bit stale and that sometimes the affair can actually jump start it in a way. As long as the person who had the affair is ready to stop the affair and work at their marriage or their relationship. I have never, ever after my first scenario looked at anybody else in my second or my third marriages There were options out there, but you blanked it off because I was in love with both those people and I was absolutely true to my marriage. With both my scenarios, they were pretty major scenarios. A marriage would struggle to come back from. But yet I hear a lot of times of of people who have literally a one-night fling or a very short affair that actually jumpstarts the marriage. I know there's a couple that I know quite well. And in fact, they managed to put it all behind them. And they've had the most incredible marriage ever since. Because what it basically did was bring to the surface a lot of issues that had been bubbling and not said. And they learned to actually voice them, work through them and move forward and realise that they had this really deep love for each other. But the biggest lesson that I was told in that one is you need to be able to basically shut the door 
never open that door again and both have the will to move forward to to learn to trust again. Yeah, you can't sort of in five years' time having an argument about who didn't wash the dishes and go, but you had that affair on me five years ago. You've got to shut the door on it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a whole it's a whole Pandora's box. And I don't think there's a, a definite yes and no answer to is there life after fidelity? I mean, I've listened to so many things and read so many books. And I think it is all about that absolute person's situation, the couple, the love that's there for within that couple. Or is it time for that that relationship to finish and then both to move on to the next scenario? I think it's very individual. After your experiences with husbands number two and number three, did you ever sit back and ask yourself why you divorced number one or if you made a mistake? I mean, if the only issue was that he was a nice guy, (laughs) do you sometimes regret that? I don't know if that's a really rude question to ask. No, it's not rude. And and it, it has gone through my mind more so now than when my second husband and I split up. Because when my second husband and I split up, my first husband was actually one of my biggest supports and was absolutely there for me. He was he was remarried at the time, happily remarried, but we actually were very much supports for each other, which, which is quite beautiful um, because, he, yeah, he was the one I did a lot of talking to and he was able to help me through a lot of answers. And, yeah, even now I sort of I, I miss him desperately because I would so like to have had him there to support me through this. So many of us have been in that situation with a nice guy and we kind of say, oh, we're not interested or we're turned off because he's too nice. And it's almost like saying someone's nice is more of an insult when it really is such a compliment. I think sometimes we don't realise what we've got till we've lost it. I look back now and, yeah, I sort of think maybe I should have tried a bit harder. What's the most important thing you've learned about relationships through everything that you've been through? I'd certainly say trust your gut feel because much as I was blind to what husband number two and number three were doing, my gut was what took me to find the evidence to unearth the actual affair. So I would say trust your gut with how you feel about meeting the person. Trust your gut with how you feel during the relationship. Trust your gut with how you feel sadly, at the end of a relationship. It's called the third brain. You know, you're told to listen to your head or your heart, but ultimately you've got to listen to your gut because generally it knows what's going on. I don't know why we don't listen to our gut or our intuition more. Mm. And, And also because for me, the person you're married to, that you're in love with, that you've spent all those years being the partner to is your best mate and you trust them the most out of anybody in the world or you should. And they're the one that's just being the most deceitful to you and that is really hard to work through what do you trust your gut or your best friend yep yep spot on spot on two people i can always trust are bob and neil from sandy gray gin in tassie i know i can count on those guys to produce what i believe is australia's most delicious gin And I'm not the only one who thinks so. They just won a double gold medal at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. That's a big deal in the gin world. So if you love your gin as much as I do, I strongly suggest you add Sandy Gray to your collection. You can check them out at sandygraywhiskey.com.au. Okay, well, let's talk about your current dating situation. I know you've tried online dating. How did that go for you? Uh, Yeah, no. (laughs) 
I'm in response. I uh, yeah yeah yeah. Um, it's I've just found some interesting personalities. I have one guy that he had told me that um, his wife had passed. He seemed really lovely. They'd had a fabulous thirty-year relationship, and yeah, wanted to see me that following Friday. We'd organised a place to meet, and then the next morning I wake up to a text that says, "Due to unforeseen circumstances, I can no longer see you." Oh. Yeah. Unforeseen circumstances. Yeah. Did you ever find out what the unforeseen circumstances no. were? No, that was the end of that one. That's an interesting way to let someone down, though. I think I might use that in future. Due to unforeseen circumstances, I will not be able to see you again. Yeah. So I've got to be honest and say that I sort of just went, nah, I, this isn't for me. So what are you looking for? Are you looking for husband number four or do you just think marriage is not for you? I'm not looking for husband number four, but I'm, I'd never say never because one of my biggest learnings is that I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow and neither does anybody, whether it be romance, whether it be health, whether it be work, whether it be life. So no, not looking for husband number four, but what I would love is somebody to do fun things with. I miss having somebody where you just go, let's just go for a walk and then somebody to really hold you and connect with at night. That's what I miss. I just would love to have somebody that's a bit of a bit of a partner, somebody I can have fun with and, and somebody that my heart can warm with. I imagine that it's really, really wonderful to find that incredible deep love, soul connection with someone and to commit to sharing your life with them is a bond, you know, I have yet to experience. But I also have a pretty cynical view of marriage. I think because I have sat in so many churches and watched so many friends commit to forever And then a few years later, it's like, yeah, no, too hard. I'm out, done. And it just makes me wonder, why do people get married in the first place? Why do they commit to forever if they're not going to stick it out for forever? (laughs) Well, I can tell you from my own personal experience, firstly, I feel blessed that I have loved at the level I have loved. And every time I have committed to a marriage, I have believed that it was for life. And I get very heartbroken when it isn't. But I do stand there every single time, or the three times I have, and really believe that this is it. I've got it right this time. So how do you reconcile it when it doesn't work out? I still struggle now with the fact that my third marriage didn't work out, but I can't sit and dwell because you can only ever move forward. And unless you do move forward, you don't live life. You mentioned with your third marriage, you used the word failed. Is that how you see it? Was it really a failure or was it kind of a blessing to find out what happened so that you could move on with your life? The outside world, if you were to say to them that you have been married three times, their immediate reaction is, wow, what a loser. You know, sort of how how could she fail at three marriages? There's clearly something wrong with her. And that's, I struggle with that side of things, that judgmental side of things, which I fully understand because if I hadn't traveled this this world, I think I would be one of those unfortunate people that does jump to conclusions. Um, I have done a lot of counseling on the fact it's not me, it's them. And I have to learn not to attract the same personality. So I do believe that I'm a really good person. I would give anything to have been married to one person and still be in that marriage. And I I am very jealous (laughs) of people who I watch that have that beautiful love, but I didn't manage to find it. On my down days, I feel that I've failed. 
on good days, I feel like I've actually this again, another twist to it, but that I've been blessed to be able to have three different personalities within my life that I have loved very deeply and enjoyed a lot of beautiful time with as my husband. So it depends what day you're catching me on, I guess. Yeah. You mentioned in your intro that you were looking for your other half. Do you feel like you you really need to find someone else to complete you or to make your life complete? One of the biggest things I learned was that the only person that can make you happy is you. But I will absolutely say that I have not been as happy as I was or I have not laughed or I have not felt as comfortable and comforted as I did when my I was married to, you know, let's go husband number three, because I felt so happy, so complete. We had so many laughs together. And that's all missing in my life at the moment. Yes, I am missing a bit of me. For me, I've always known that I was, I was there to be a wife and a mother. And that's me. And I've got a gorgeous dog that gives me lots of cuddles, but it's not the same. I I thrive with having somebody else in my life. Is that a better way of putting it? Mm, yeah, I hear what you're saying. And it's just, I, you know, I see girlfriends going through this when they come out of long marriages. And I understand that for them, a relationship is their safe place. Just like for me, being single is my safe place. You know, we're a, a product of our experience and what we've been through. I just want you to know that you are enough on your own. No, bless you. You are a whole person. Yep. And, and I absolutely get what you're saying because I fully agree, but like, there's a bit of my heart that's just still missing. I do love my house how I've got it, and I don't really want anybody else putting their shit in it. <laughs> <laughs> that is a common theme with women in their 50s. It's like, I really want a partner, but I don't know if I want to live with him again. <laughs> I know you've also said to me that COVID hit you pretty hard. Yeah, I suddenly am sitting locked in my house with a dog. I struggled with that. A lot of my friends were putting up photos on Facebook of what a fabulous time they were having with their family, how they were playing board games, how they were family dinners. Um, break it, yeah, making banana bread. I, that's why I've just had to lose five kilos because of COVID banana bread because when you've got nobody to share it with, you just eat a lot. But that was it. I was watching all these people being happy and I was by myself. And it really hit home. And I'm not trying to do woe is me in any way, shape or form. But I struggled keeping positive with a mental state, which I, I did. And I did a lot of reading. I did a lot of fitness. And I did massive. I reconnected with so many people you know, through my past. But deep down, I was lonely. And yeah, my heart was very empty. Knowing that you were struggling with your mental health in that situation, how did you get yourself through it? Um, as I mentioned before, when I went through all the trauma of husband number two, where I was doing every one of those top four stresses, I um, actually realized then that every time that I would ever start to feel, oh, wow, I would think of people that don't have the opportunity to take their brains and move forward and move step by step slowly forward because they're sitting in either a palliative care or an oncology ward that don't get that opportunity to actually change their lives. And so the only person that can change anything in your life is you. So I would sit and I would plan stuff. And I, I, I actually planned and changed a lot of my life coming out of COVID. What makes me happy? And how can I change my life and put happiness back in? Mm. But I've tried to fill and golf. Golf is my new happy place. 
Oh, I know, me too. I discovered, well, I rediscovered golf through COVID and, you know, it got me outside. It got me engaging with other people. I'm so grateful that I was able to play golf through COVID. It's so wonderful, isn't it? Yeah, and for me, it's a very socially distant game. I'm never anywhere near anybody else on the course. (laughs) How do you think your experience with three divorces has shaped the way you approach dating? Yes, my trust factor is pretty damaged and I know I have to let go of that and open my heart when the right person comes along. Um, There is a big part of me when I get to the point that, you know, they do a couple of dates and and then that's it, that I sort of go, really, what's the point in this? Am I better just being by myself? I think I must be related to a duck because ducks need need a second partner. And I do feel that I'm looking for that other half of me. But at the same time, I'm very happy with and blessed with the life I have, but I would love to have that person to share it with. I've got to be out there so that I'm open to it, but I'm also not desperately looking for it. Does that make sense? Or is yeah. that an oxymoron? I just think it's amazing that you are still hopeful. I mean, anyone who's been through one divorce, I think, would be like, okay, that was enough for me. I'm never doing that again. You've been through it three times, and yet it sounds like you still believe you can love again and trust again and potentially even marry again. Yes to all three because you just don't know where life's taking you. And if you have that never or closed, what I call closed heart, closed opinion, then you're not going to live life to its full. It's Life is a journey and it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. So live it. We don't get a second chance to, to live this life. So go out and grasp it all. But so don't also be blinkered in your... I will never, I don't choose to give it a go, give everything a go because we just don't know. And there are so many beautiful people out there. You travel through and you meet a couple of people that didn't quite work out for you. That doesn't mean that there aren't amazing people out there that are going to enrich my life. Thank you for that reminder. It was so timely and I I love what you said there. I, I think I really needed to hear it and I hope there's other people listening that are saying the same things to themselves because I've really struggled with dating, particularly in the last year. Um, I've had some really horrific experiences that just, I think, broke me and I found it really, really difficult to be vulnerable and meet people and give it a go and you've just inspired me that I, I need to just overcome those fears and live and experience the journey. Um, Yeah, spot on. I love your quote, your favourite quote, people are meant to come into your life for a season, a reason or a lifetime. I've always loved that one too. Why does it resonate so strongly with you? Because I think sometimes people come in and you're not quite sure of the lesson you're supposed to learn from them until they leave and you go, wow, I just learned this from them and it's okay to let them go and it's okay to just take on board what you what they brought into your life for that period. Um, You know, it could be a love, it could be an illness, it could be just that you moved away from that area. And you just sort of start to understand what it was that they brought into your life. A lot of people try and hold on to people that you don't need to hold on to because you've learned your lesson from them. So just let them go and let beautiful new people come in and bring to your life whatever it is they were put on this earth to bring into your life. Yeah, it's been so lovely chatting to you and I thank you for being just so incredibly open. I really hope you keep moving forward and that takes you closer to finding what you're looking for. 
thank you. And I, I hope pe some people get at something out of my life because I said, certainly having listened to your podcasts, I've got a lot out of other people's um, experiences. And I think that's the best way we can do it. Absolutely. This podcast is produced and presented by me, Sammy Lucas. Audio director is the divine Robbie Wood. This episode is sponsored by Sandy Gray Gin. You can check them out at sandygraywhiskey.com.au and you can find out more about me or this podcast at my website, sammylucas.com.